1: O crackle of rain, play your strange music on the tin roof of my mind. Run down the brows of slate, and drain like tears down the building's cheek. But no weeping within, just pint pot and cheers at the moon underwater. Oh, Robin, Robin, it's good to see you, but you know what's gone and happened to you? No, what's happened to me? You've gone all stop motion.
2: <laughs> right, yeah, I know, yeah. I'm a bit bit jerky these days.
1: Yeah, well, it's the whole pub's gone a bit like, you know, those sort of late, quite bad Wes Anderson films. We're, what, are we talking
2: Fantastic Mr Fox vibe?
1: The dog one, the fox one. Oh, uh, yeah, that, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. I much prefer it when the moon underwater reveals itself as the early Wes Anderson sort of (laughs) vibe with the, you know, the nice curtain parting every time you walk into a room. Oh,
2: yeah, everything's kind of filmed face down with, is it Futura font?
1: Yeah, and it'll say like 10 a.m. on a sort of holding card when you approach the bar. I Mm. mean, you know, should be a reminder you shouldn't really be anywhere near the bar at 10 (laughs) a.m.
2: yeah. Where's Anderson, man? That's someone whose really reputation has
1: changed a lot over the years. Yeah, I mean, I, he was here a couple of uh, a couple of months ago, wasn't yeah.
2: he? I liked his early pints.
1: I loved his early pints. Bottle Rocket, Rushmore, yeah. Ten and But now what's happened to The Moon Underwater is, because we've gone like one of those stop-motion films, when you, when you pull beer from the pumps, it's not like liquid. It's like, you know, they get that effect of the sort of cellophane.
2: Oh, cellophane, yeah, well, maybe with a bit of felt.
1: Yeah, it's a lot of felt knocking around the gaff, come to think of it now. Um, But uh, anyway, it'll wear off, won't it, Rob? Oh, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. It will become real, or we'll get so used to it that it will replace our idea of reality.
1: How was your trip over to the correct realm this evening? Oh, it was fine, yeah, I got the bus train. Ah! The bus train, yeah. yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> A strange
2: old beast, isn't it, the bus train? Yeah, the bus train. It's good. You just sort of change gauge halfway through and you realise you're on rails.
1: Yeah. Yeah yeah um well i certainly hope that this week's guest avoided uh, the pitfalls of the bus train Mm. and maybe came on the um the plane bike yeah which i mean brings its own struggles stresses and strains (laughs) It um, does. yeah i mean the the mortality rate is very high
2: on a plane bike yeah, yeah 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 i mean you go straight from stabilizers to flying above the ocean
1: yeah, it's it's quite a lot to take in. But I think we're going to be able to ask her about her journey very, very soon. Or maybe we maybe we won't sort of bog her down with the whole plane, bike, <laughs> yeah. you know, train, bus uh, element of the whole escapade. Because walking through um, the tumble tweeds uh, here in uh, the correct realm, they sometimes blow across the roads, just sort of traditional Harris tweed balls. They don't represent silence. At all, they they represent uh, the history of uh, material industry uh, here in the correct realm, uh, but uh, and they're quite nice to sort of feel batting against you in a light breeze. Um, but uh, walking into the moon underwater now, it is beer author and illustrator and judge M. Sorter. Hello, M. Hello, thank you so much for
3: inviting me to your pub.
1: You're absolutely welcome. It's a delight to have you here. And uh, apologies for the uh, sort of strange felt and uh, cellophane appearance of the moon underwater. It will wear off.
3: All right. Noted.
1: Yeah. <laughs> are, are you a Wes Anderson fan? If so, early, early pints or later pints or his middle period pints?
3: Early pints. Although yeah, yeah, yeah. I did enjoy kind of middle. The Darjeeling Limited is very underrated. Oh. Interesting.
1: I love the soundtrack.
2: It's got a good Very soundtrack. good
3: soundtrack, great movie. um I like fantastic Mr. Fox,
2: yeah, I think that was a and I quite like the um I like the hotel one as well.
3: oh, that was a nice one, mm. yeah,
1: I think the funeral scene in Darjeeling Limited is one of his best best pieces of work. It's so, so
3: moving. It's a lovely film. It's a really, really good one. And then Rushmore is just, it's just a good, that's a standalone. I'm a big, big, big fan. Big yeah. fan. The, the later stuff is weird. I just watched the, what's the French one?
2: The French Dispatch, is it called?
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the one about the newspaper. Yeah, yeah. With the short stories. Yeah. And that's, that was... Interesting. I think he's
2: kind of gone out of that phase of being unfashionable. And I think it's like that kind of thing where I think he's well-respected for kind of doing the same thing and having his own voice again, you know? I think it's come full circle a bit. Yeah,
3: it's very appealing and nice to look at. And yeah, it's its own thing, you know, like when you're an artist or a cartoonist or any kind of filmmaker. And if you're in that kind of medium, you want to have your own style, because when people see it, they go, Wes Anderson, Um, And so it's something I try to strive for with my work is people are like pints and panels. (laughs) (laughs) Well,
1: that's a very good point, actually. And also an incredibly neat segue, I must say, uh, into talking about what you do for anyone who doesn't know pints and panels it's a really wonderful website. And um, do you want to sort of tell us about your the, the sort of what you're trying to do and the, the ethos behind the illustration you have?
3: Of course. So Pints and Panels is a visual beer education website. So what that means is I want to know about what uh, an alt beer, you know, tastes like, or I want to know what foods pair with a certain style, or I want to learn about draft cleaning or cask beer service. You can come to my website, there's a table of contents, you can scroll it, you can find the thing you're looking for, and it's all free. So everything's available to you. I'm very, I make sure that everything is accurate. And it's something that I find when you Google like, what's the difference between an ale and a lager? Like the thing that pops up most, it's it's all wrong. It's all, it drives (laughs) me crazy. How like beer education is just full of misinformation. Mm. It's really, really stressful. And so people are learning things on the internet that aren't accurate. Surprise, surprise. Uh, so I make sure that Pints and Panels is 100% accurate. And then if you're a visual learner, or the best thing is if you, um, well, not the best thing, but if you are not an English speaker, it's an easy way to learn about English words with pictures and learn about the brewing process. Because Pints and Panels is quite popular in Central and South America, Portuguese, Spanish speaking places. Um, it's read all over the world. It's taught in some of the best brewing schools in the world. It's... Makes me very happy that people are really enjoying what pints and panels means and and does and its its goal. So
2: the one that um, first drew my attention was um, what Beatles songs pair with beer styles. A couple of people sent that to me because I'm a big Beatles fan. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, and I, I really love that. And I just, I would I would love to know how you came up with some of the connections because they do work definitely. We well, them all, Robin. Yeah,
1: <laughs>
2: Eleanor Rigby and Bitter is uh, what? Have we, what else is there? Uh, Blackbird and Czech Dark Lager, Strawberry Fields Forever and Lambic. So, what, how did you come up with some of those connections? Because they 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 all seem kind of right, but I'm sort of unable to explain why they're right. You
3: know, I mean, I do a lot of different like beer end blank yeah. pairings. The sports one are very quite popular, actually. Um, But it's all about, for the song, like, let's say, like, Eleanor Rigby's are really, like, not a great... (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. kind of depressing. So it's, like, what, like, encapsulates that feeling. Or, like, Blackbird, you know, is singing in the dead of night, the Czech dark lager's a dark beer. You kind of just pull from, you know, it's... they Strawberry Fields Forever, Strawberry Lambics are delicious. So, you know, what works with what? And it's all, you know... People are like, well, why did I don't know if I agree with that. And the the thing I always tell people is like, what what would you do? You know, I'm not I'm not the like expert. That's like this. What goes with this? It's not yeah. like one plus one equals two. Yeah, yeah, Beer is all about like a feeling. Beer is about enjoying it with how you want. Like I'm not gonna tell you what you can't do with beer, even though I'm a beer educator. Like that's not that's not none of my business. Uh, you drink what you like.
2: People forget these things. In literal taste and musical taste are, are subjective so you know people it's fine to make your own associations right you know so there's of course there's no wrong way of describing it you know
3: and there's yeah there's no wrong way to describe beer try beer drink beer I mean there I guess there can be uh but you know it's all about what you enjoy and what you like and I'm never going to tell people like you shouldn't drink that or that beer is bad um because everyone's palate is different, every taste is subjective, and that's the fun part about beer, the great part about beer, is that there's a lot of great beer out there, you drink what you like, you know, get out of your comfort zone a little, that's all I ask.
1: I mean, I've learned already from your um, illustrations that that tall, dimpled, sort of stein is called a masskrug.
3: Mm. Yeah, yeah, or a seidel. Yeah, technically it's not a stein, because stein is the German word for stone, and oh. it's a glass. So it's not a stein.
1: Well, we're learning and uh, we're enjoying. Also, That's what a, I'm
3: here for. <laughs> there's a
1: wonderful sense of fun because your um, illustration of all the different lagers of the world, they're all exactly the same color.
3: Yeah. Well, I mean, lagers can be yellow to black, but yeah, I mean, they're all, lagers are four ingredients and there can be a range of flavors, but it really leans on lot, like raw materials and... Yeah, the like golden lager thing—it's everything's the same color. Or yeah, golden lagers—all the same. They're all gonna taste it a little different, though. That's the fun part about everything's a little different with beer, even though it's the same color, the flavors can be wildly different.
1: So, what came first—the the illustrating or the beer—and what led you into the world of beer?
3: Well, the illustrating came first because I started drawing when I was four. Because oh, that would be weird if the beer came first. <laughs> um, I really loved to draw as a kid, and I, I, I never thought I was very good. And I, I failed art in high school. I wasn't allowed to continue with art through high school. My teacher didn't think I had what it took because I was cartooning. I was drawing my business, essentially the style I draw now. When I was 11, I started trying to copy the Archie comics, like Archie, Betty, and Veronica. Those I would read those at summer camp, and I would try to draw them. And that's kind of where my style comes from. And a lot of art teachers I had were like, cartooning is an art, which is total BS. It Mm. is 100% art. Uh, I went to art school (laughs) for cartooning. And beer came about, my love of beer, I had a wit Beer in 2006 and it blew my mind. I thought that was the greatest, one of the greatest things I've ever had. That right there and then I knew that my life would be devoted to beer. It was an incredible experience. And I was in like a crappy bar in New Hampshire watching the Super Bowl. Like this was not a like classy, like moment. So this
2: wasn't the first beer you ever had, but it was just this was a particularly amazing one.
3: Yeah. The first beer I ever had was at Brendan Kapsimalis's house when I was fifteen. It was a warm Miller high life when his grandma after his grandmother had gone to bed. <laughs>
2: <laughs> wow, but what was so special about this wheat beer then? It was just something else.
3: It was actually it was a Sam Adams, it was their Sam Adams their white ale, which they make now for Christmas. It's their like white Christmas beer. Uh, But it was their spring seasonal, and I don't—I mean, it's still delicious. I don't know what it was. It was served to me in this like giant, twenty-five ounce of twenty-five American ounces, so like, it's essentially like a a couple more ounces than a proper pint for you guys. And it came in this huge mug, and I just took one sip, and I said, "This is a great." And then I probably drank way too many of them, Um, and that night got really sloppy really quickly. But before I, you know had too many of them i just remember being like this is the most amazing thing i've ever had what else is like this and so i promptly went to the liquor store the next day and bought you know hefeweizens and belgian styles and it was just it was it was over that was it and now i'm talking to you guys
2: i (laughs) love i love that american the american phrase sloppy what's the english equivalent of being sloppy drunk
3: is it like pissed
2: yeah but pissed is quite drunk
3: Okay. But sloppy, I wasn't, I, yeah, I wasn't pissed. Sloppy but was...
2: would be, I'd say, a bit more tiddly. But like a I bit. I think it's more than tiddly. It's more than tiddly, yeah. It's when you're not quite in control of your limbs and body. You're a bit floppy.
1: It was a sort of slurry.
2: Slurry, yeah.
1: We might say three sheets to the wind. Three sheets to the wind,
2: yeah. Three pint drunk. It's definitely not hammered, isn't it? It's not plastered. No, it's, not, it's no waste. No, it's not approaching hammered. What's the drunken scale in American in American terminology? You well
3: say? you when you hit blackout, blackout that's, bad. That's, that's bad. That's bad. Yeah. That's very bad. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there's tipsy.
2: Tipsy, yeah. yeah tipsy's
3: yeah. Very, tipsy's lovely. That's yeah. kind of that what you really want to hit. Yeah. You know, you I never I hate being drunk because I actually blackout quite easily. And that stresses me like, you know, that's that's a little stressful. So I try. I don't actually drink that much for someone who works in beer. So I like to hit that like tip, like one double IPA can with your feet up, mm. and then you're like everything's great, and then you slightly tipsy, and then That's when you're getting sloppy, and then you get sloppy, and then you get blackout, and then right. I'm sure there, and then there's like there's a lot of other words for drunk that are
2: yeah. I'm sure James Acaster used to have a bit about being tipsy, like being the perfect stage. No one's ever cried while being tipsy. You know what I mean? It's kind of only when you're sober or you're drunk or something like that.
1: Yeah. I think it was for me it was that it was that hinterland between sloppy and blackout. <laughs> Yeah. That was, what, that was what, what I was sort of searching for. Yeah. You could, I mean, it's an illustration waiting to happen. Oh god! Um, oh. Eight, eight pints with eight different words. Yeah, I've
3: I've uh, I've drawn the stages of my hangover, and the oh, original. Wow. Yeah, the original art is hanging in the bar I used to work at in Oregon. Oh nice! Behind the like cash register, and it involves like shaking, puking, <laughs> sadness. I puke a lot. I'm an al- and I'm a loud puker for, for your mm. audience out there, so everyone knows I'm a sure. l- very loud puker. A puke. It's very important to know that, um, and so that's why I try not to get hungover because I get incredibly dehydrated, and then I just puke all day, and you lose a day. That stinks, you know. Like you can drink enough and then like stop, and then yeah, and it's it's, it's that's one thing. It's very moderation is incredibly important when you're talking about drinking. It's actually a page in my book. There's a moderation page. That's like beer's great moderation, everybody.
1: Hundred mm. percent. And I always, um, I always think with like people who love beer or wine or or spirits or whatever it is. You know, we uh, interviewed uh, Freddie Bulmer, who works for something called the Wine Society over here. And when your whole job is around the thing that most people drink when they get home to sort of relax from their job, it must be quite hard to sort of. You must have to make sure you're of a certain disposition not to just drink all day. Because if I worked for a wine tasting company or or if I worked in a bar, it would be an absolute catastrophe.
3: So I work part time at a brewery in eastern Connecticut where I live. And you just have a lot of rules. So like while you're working, you can have a half beer with, with your lunch, like a half pint. And then you're like, for the rest of the day, like you can taste something if you need it, but you're not like, you're working, you're con you have to concentrate, you're talking to people. When I worked for another brewery, like sometimes I'd have like a lunch, I'd call them beer snacks. So like, I'm hungry, but I don't have any food. So I would have like, beer's a great snack. Again, in moderation, it's like six ounces, like a half pint is a great snack. A Guinness is a great snack. Um... And then you just have a lot of rules. Like, I can't drink after a certain time. I am I love rules and I hate fun. That's my, that's my, <laughs> my friends. So. Um, so, like, certain, yeah, like, when you, I, when I judge beer competitions, sometimes I've drank up to 70 beers. Yeah. I mean, obviously not full pints, but it comes out to about, like, six or seven or eight, like, pints. Like, it's a lot. It can be a lot. So, what you do is you just have to remember, like, you got to hydrate a lot. And, you know, afterwards... I've I've seen people go out afterwards. No thank you. yeah. And then you just go to yeah. You go to bed early and you hydrate and you you know sleep it off. I guess so.
1: So when you're judging beers and you're going through that many, there's sort of like a you know a, a cliche about wine that if you buy a you know a very cheap bad bottle of wine by the second glass it tastes fine anyway. Do you not just find that as as you consume your fiftieth beer? It just everything tastes amazing. Or does the sort of effect of the alcohol affect your palate at all?
3: You can get palate fatigue. Uh, The founder of the Beer Judge Certification Program, or BJCP, it's like the homebrew competition part of that, he says it's kind of like you're getting punched in the arm. And at first you'll feel it, but then after a while you stop feeling it. And so you just kind of like your palate becomes so wrecked that you really can't taste a lot. So you do, you just need to take a lot of breaks, drink a lot of water. There's bread or, like, very, like, muted crackers, things that don't have any salt or flavoring to kind of wake everything up. Um, To reset your nasal, like, aroma, you sniff yourself. So if you smell yourself, it kind of, like, you get your, your own scent and it can kind of reset everything. Yeah, so you just, you know, you have to just take it, especially if you're doing, like, double IPAs, Imperial Stouts. Um, anything like that. I find when you have a bad beer, you know it, even if it's your first beer or your 70th beer, like bad beer is bad beer. And you just need to also don't, you know, you can't, if you get to like, I've, I've gone to competitions where like after my something, I don't remember how many beers I've been like, I'm approaching being drunk and the instructions that I will write will be wrong. And the person who paid to enter this competition... (laughs) will be like what the hell does this mean so i will recuse myself from competition because i'm not giving the best the best that they deserve cuz i'm also a real lightweight so i make sure to eat a lot before competitions i actually and i wish these were available in america a good like meat pie is the best food before you drink in the whole wide world you guys do it right like <laughs> i wish we had more more meat pies in america which we don't
1: so between the judging and uh, Pints and Panels, and do head over to pintsandpanels.com uh, or follow at Pints and Panels on social media, what for you is like your main job or do you not really see it like that? Do you have sort of all these different sort of um, elements of the, the beer world that, that they're a part of what you do in, in, in any given day?
3: So yeah, Pints and Panels is my main job. That's my company, and so kind of everything kind of floats under there. So when I travel to judge, that's Pints and Panels, because I do a lot of pop-up um, merchandise events. So I'm going to Oregon to, t- to judge the Oregon Beer Awards uh, Wednesday. And I have two events in Portland, Oregon this weekend, one at a beer bar and one called The Beer Mongers and one at Little Beast, which is a brewery in southeast Portland. And so those kind of help pay for the trips, then you can also like meet me, you can get a copy of either of my books that I have. I do I have prints, shirts, stickers, I have all sorts of stuff. The e commerce part is actually a huge part of my day. And I because I pack it all myself. So like when you buy something from me, I'm the one that's in my office, like wrapping it and weighing it and driving it to the post office. And that's, it's a huge part of my day. And then there's commissions, there's i do a lot of freelance writing so i write for the alcohol professor which is an online website all about beer which is a beer magazine i host the all about beer podcast there's just like there's so my project list is just like so many it's a lot of different things so but all under the umbrella of of pints and panels
0: Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at lifemd.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer.
1: Let's maybe dip back into your history of uh, bars and beers later on. But let's um, get started with your dream pub, which you've come to the Moon Underwater to deck out. So we, we start with two draft options for you, Anne.
3: Yes. So my first draft option is 100% going to be Harvey's Best Bitter. Mm. Oh, wow. um, because so I went to Harvey's and got a private tour. So I've only been to England I've been to Scotland once and I've been to England once. So that, and that was, that's it. So I, and I've been to Ireland. That doesn't count. Um, but I've only had one week in England, but I did get to take a tour of Harvey's where I insulted the brewmaster. (laughs) (laughs) And then wrote, so best bitters of like Harvey's beers are amazing. I, we sometimes can get them in America. Uh, they're just, uh, they're imported by actually a importer here in Connecticut. So there's, it's very rare, but we imported can't get as
2: it. as bottle, in bottles or
3: in bottles, yeah. So you can find like really old Elizabethan ale sometimes at liquor stores, and you're like hell yeah, and you just buy it all. Um, but I went to Harvey's and I got a tour from Miles Jenner, who's the brewmaster, and he gave me some of his pilsner, and I was like, oh, I love this. You know, it, it reminds me a lot of a blonde ale. Apparently, according to my friend who's Scottish and my other friend who's Australian, when you say Blondale in the UK, you mean a Belgian? not Because in America, we have an American Blondale. Mm, and wow. so I meant American Blondale, but I just said Blondale. And he kind of looked at me like with like a weird expression, and I was like, well, that's strange. And my friends afterwards at the pub were like, yeah, you were really insulting because you said his... Pilsner tastes like a Belgian blonde ale. And I was like, no, I said Blondale." <laughs> so I wrote him a very heartfelt, like, handwritten apology and mailed it when I got home because oh. I was so embarrassed that I like, insulted his because Harvey's is so good. And, like, mm. he had all these casts out from a camera event they had had the night before. And he was just, like, pouring, pouring, pouring. We were just drinking in this, like, kind of, like, back what used to be, like, a stable or something. It was really cool. And he took the time to, like, spend time with us. It was really nice. It was a beautiful facility. And so I, yeah, but I apparently insulted him. So I would like to pour Best Bitter as a, but it's also delicious.
2: I think we've had a few American people come on who have chosen British cask beer. So what, what, what does that mean to you? I mean, is it something very special because you can't get it in America? Or is it something that is just special because it is so good? I think
3: both, because... You can get cask in America, but it's so specialized. You have to know where to find it, and you have to know who does it right. Where I work at um, Fox Farm in Eastern Connecticut, we will do cask conditioned, dark mild, and best bitter. We, that's the two British styles we brew, and we, they're pretty like damn spot on for the carbonation level, the way they make them, the spy, Like they do it pretty correct. Uh, most breweries in America if you're like I want cask beer they're just going to pull off the bright tank after it's carbonated and then they're going to add a bunch of crazy crap to it which is super weird um but whatever um so but it's just there's something about it that's really great my first cask beer was a Fuller's in London like a like a real cask I had cask beer in Scotland and it was so infected because it was so old so it just tasted like straight vinegar but i had never had bad cask before so i kind of like i kind of liked it
1: (laughs) wow because
3: i was like bad cask because i was we were like in the middle of nowhere at this inn in like near the isle of sky in scotland and i was like oh you have cask yeah sure and i also ordered it was like a wednesday or something so probably had not been changed in like probably five days or so so it was just like vinegar and my mother and sister were like, "I can't believe you're drinking that." And I was like, "No, I've never had bad cask before. This is exciting mm. um, because I'm a weird beer geek." So <laughs>
1: that's so interesting. Yeah. Uh,
3: what? Why do you think
1: cask ale, as as we call it, hasn't ever really caught on in America? Because it, it you know, it tastes great, but is it is it that not the market for it? Is it got a bad reputation? Is it the, the the process of making it?
3: I think there's the warm and flat. Myth here in America. Like everyone thinks when you go to England, you get a beer, it's going to be warm and flat, uh, which it's not. It's cellar temperature and it has, you know, a lower volume of carbonation than, say, our beer, because our beer is probably two. A cask beer is going to be like one to one and a half volumes of CO2, whereas a normal keg here in America would be like 2.2 or two to 2.8. Bud Light's like 2.8. But yeah, I mean, I think it's just this warm and flat myth that... And then it is a huge pain in the butt. So, like, I can't imagine a regular, like, bar and grill in America trying to do, like, with the publican, trying to do it correct. I don't know if, if we could do it. Um, I'd love to see it happen. Um, but most... And it's just, yeah, I think it's just something that we just have cake beer. And, which is fine, and we, we have a lot of options. And, but it's always nice to see cask service. Uh, When done well, Um, there are some notable examples of um, there's Blue Jacket Brewing in DC and their owner also, or the guy that runs their beer program also runs Church Key in DC and they always have a cask on. Great, great cask service. And they're going to do it correct with the temperature control, all that stuff. But like, that's the only one I can think of off the top of my head in DC, you know, and America is a huge place. So I'm sure there's more cask stuff. It's just super rare.
1: Well, a wonderful taste of home for us in your pub and a taste of the exotic for you. Uh, What would be your second draft option?
3: My second draft option is going to be Hofbrau Helles because I want a classic German drinking beer. Um, I recently had Hofbrau Helles fresh for the first time at the Munich airport in October. And it was one of the best, yeah, one of the best beers I've ever, I, it was so good and I was alone and no one spoke English and I would like wanted to talk about how great it was but I was just by myself and so I took like multiple photos of the beer. I had also just gotten off a plane from Brazil which was a very bumpy flight so I was kind of very out of it and so I ordered a Hellas and a salad and I just remember being like, this is the best thing I've ever eaten in my entire life. And this is the best beer I've ever had in my entire life. Because I've never had fresh Hofbrau. Like, by the time it gets to America, or probably even the UK, it's not, you know, it's good, but it's not going to be that, like, high volume at the Munich airport. That's, like, probably the best Hofbrau besides going to the Hofbrau house. And so that's, that's my second Because it's just so, like, with food, it's, was, it was damn near perfect. And then I ordered a um, their Hefeweizen as well, which was also delicious, and then I hadn't really eaten, and so I was getting to that tipsy to sloppy get, stage, yeah. and, I, and I needed to get on a flight to Cologne, so I was like, all right, let's stop here. Wow.
2: So is, is the Hofbrau a kind of classic golden Pilsner?
1: Uh,
3: it's a Helles. So, t- yeah, so it's going to be more focused on malt. Um, if it was a Pilsner, it would be a little drier and hoppier. So is yeah.
1: this is this the Hofbrau Munchen original? Yes. Oh, mm. It does look good.
3: It's so beautiful. Like, though, even at the airport, like, they served it in the proper, and I took a photo of it, and I was just like, this is the most beautiful beer I've ever, and I'm at the, like, I'm at Terminal, you know, two in, I mean, it could have been the lack of sleep from the 11-hour flight from Rio de Janeiro, but I don't think it was. I think it was just a damn, it was one of the, it was just the, like, beer can't get, it's the basis of beer. Beer can't get any finer than that.
2: That's interesting. I didn't realize. I'd always thought Hellas was was a kind of Pilsner, so they are two completely distinct beers. Yeah.
3: Yes. Ah, yeah. Cool. The way yeah the way to describe it is so I think of like Pilsners, Hellas's, and Kolsches. Each one has a distinct bent towards the raw ingredient. So, Pilsners are hoppy. Hellas's are malty. And Kolsch's use ale yeast and then ferment at lager timber, so they have a little bit of a yeasty character. So each one kind of leans in harder on a, on a raw, like on a raw ingredient.
2: I mean, I, I had this one, it's got a Flotzinger Hell the other day. Have you heard of that beer? I have not. Oh my God, it was just amazing.
3: <laughs> German Hellises are, I'm actually going to Oktoberfest this year oh, cool. for the first time, and we're going to Bomberg for four days before. And I've never just had, I've never gone to Bavaria. I've been to the Munich airport, but not to Bavaria. And I'm just so jazzed to drink like fresh Helles, fresh German beer. It's going to be mind-blowing.
2: It's the efficiency of the table service that blew my mind. You you might have like one waiting person just dealing with like about 50 people. You know, it's it's really quite incredible. I'm excited. I'm excited. (laughs) It's great.
1: Robin's eyes and soul (laughs) come alive for a brief second as he imagines... The table service (laughs) of German Hellas and Pilsner. What a wonderful sight.
2: What's your favourite? Does it exist?
3: Pour
2: me an ale. Are pubs real? Pubs in the distance. shrouded in mist. Are pubs real?
1: Next up, we have your bottles and or cans. And I'm guessing you've got a fair choice of cans in America we do
3: we do I didn't want to pick local stuff to me because that's the issue with beer is that I'm sure this is in the UK too where everything's very hyper regional so you're like I'm gonna go to I did an event all right I had to take a class in Bethlehem Pennsylvania which is like three hours from my yeah but I was like where do you drink in Bethlehem Pennsylvania and they're like oh you go to this brewery and this brewery and then I'm like I've never heard of any of these and you're kind of you're in America the quality of beer is good but it's like you usually like you go to a brewery you've never heard of and you're like okay these are fine but you go and you're like I went to Bond Place Brewing which I believe is in Bethlehem I want to say yeah or am I thinking of a different town there's so many towns in eastern Pennsylvania it was near the class that I was taking And they did cask beer. They did bitters. They had dark mild. That's kind of what they're known for. I just walked over there and their beer was amazing. And I had never heard of them. That's so cool about traveling in America where you're like, I'm going to this town and people will be like, oh, you got to go to this brewery or this brewery or this brewery. And I'm like, okay, I've never heard of these. And sometimes your expectations are totally blown away. And you're like, wow, this is awesome. And that's the fun part about beer is the like, but that's the thing is like everything's super local. So when I think of like cans and bottles, I mean, immediately I want like Pliny the Elder, mm. even though that's... We've yeah, had you know, that but...
2: one a few times as well, haven't we? That's, I mean, yeah.
3: I'm more of a blind pig. I want both Blind Pig, which is the regular IPA, and Pliny the Elder, which is the double, because those are just damn fine West Coast IPAs. Uh, we don't really have those. I am from New England, so we are hazy country. But those are really just solid options i like i mean i try to think about when i think of bottles and cans of like what's easy to get that everyone likes so like your bell's two-hearted for example which is just easy to find in america no problem what else there's so oh my gosh there's so much there's that's the that's the i'm 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 overwhelmed and overburdened with choice you said you used to live in
2: portland oregon was there a particular style associated with that town?
3: so when i lived in oregon i lived there in like 2011 2010 2011 2012 excuse me and when i lived there that was like the big ibu just like bought every ipa started at eight percent and that was just regular ipas not double ipas and double ipas were 10 percent, and they were like a million ibu so they were bracingly bitter and then beer was just strong and big when I lived there and so which was there was uh the only I worked at a bar the only time I ever got kicked out of the bar I worked at and I only got kicked out of there once was there's a brewery called Boneyard Brewing they're out of Bend and they make a triple IPA called Notorious and I had two of them and I started slamming my hands on the bar top because I wanted another one and I got kicked out
2: of <laughs> that's a level beyond sloppy
3: Yes. Yeah. I remember getting kicked out, so I wasn't blackout yet. Yeah, so yeah. the bike yeah, the bike ride home probably was. That's
1: why those those beers are just unsustainable. Then you can't drink a 10%. Well, yeah, you can. It depend I guess it's a drinking culture thing. If there was a culture for 10% beers widely in the UK, everyone would be dead because people will hammer a pint in 15-20 minutes. <laughs> if you do that with essentially a pint of wine.
3: That's the like I mean, I was doing, we did half pints at least. So we had eight ounce, um, eight American ounce pours. And then we had 16 ounce, our our proper pint. Um, And it was, yeah, I mean, I wasn't, I was having two, I think I had two half pints, to be honest. And that was just a little bit much for me. I mean, it was, that was, now everything's all about, there's hazy IPAs, there's the milkshakes, there's like adjunct stuff. So people are brewing with like, I threw this apple pie. (laughs) And I'm not a huge fan of those beers, but if it gets people drinking beer, then I'm all for them. I have no, I have no issue with like what people are brewing with like money or like chicken. And I'm like, okay, sure.
1: Your two bottles are going to be Pliny the Elder. And what was the name of the second one?
3: Oh, I would actually just keep it with Russian River. I would do the Blind Pig, which is their IPA, straight IPA.
1: Wow it's a, it has been chosen here before so it's i oh. I think Barry Enderwick uh, had a pliny
3: ah. it's it's we ha, we would get 1 keg a month at the bar i worked at and it would be gone in a day and it was a big it was a half barrel it was a big keg so it was like 15 and a half uh, us gallons it was a big guy and it would be gone in 2 days and my bar sat 10 people 12 people
1: well we're going to Find out what your dream bar would look like as well as what else it would serve in part two we will continue with M sorter from pints and panels however we must we must replete repast repose Robin which one of those do I mean I don't know take a little break. Uh, well, to no. Re- return. return. Oh,
2: right. you, you want it to start with an R-E, do you?
1: Yeah, we must repeat, replete. We must yeah. be replete for our repast and repose in the Moon Underwater Pub Quiz.
2: Okay, everybody, pens out, eyes down. It's time for the quiz. played for Zimbabwe, but he was born in South Africa. I know Alaska is bigger, that wasn't the question. Put your phone away. Right, Michael Jackson's Funky Monkey have been deducted five points. Thanks, John. Welcome to the Moon Underwater pub quiz. Now, because Em is such a fine cartoonist and illustrator, I thought I'd do a quiz about cartoons, specifically The Simpsons. Three questions about The Simpsons. How are you on that, Em? Are you good?
3: Oh, um, my wedding cake was the. I'm, I'm. This is true. My wedding cake was the "To a Whale of a Wife" the cake that Homer gives oh, Marge. Yeah. <laughs> we, like, wedi- we had a company make that cake for us. I also walked down the aisle to the Carpenter Song, which is the song oh, yeah. that is playing in the background when Homer sees Marge for the first time. Oh, so you're gonna yeah. absolutely
2: smash this because this is this is pretty. Easy stuff. I haven't
1: gone nerdy at all Yeah. Um, I'm going to have to send you a link. Have you ever heard of Alex May Hughes? I don't
3: think so.
1: She's a, a London artist who does sort of gold and silver sort of um, painted mirrors. But she her the main thing she does is, is Simpsons scenes oh, wow. and Simpsons characters yeah, cool. in, in these mirrors. I'll, I'll, oh, yes, um, please. I'll email you a link. Do you have a Simpsons
2: yeah. line that lives, as they say, rent free in your head?
3: Um, the one I say a lot of is oh, um, when someone is like, Oh, I can't finish that, I go, I'll give that a good home and I pat my stomach. <laughs> that's nice. Or yeah, I do that one. Or when I'm, I'm hot I go, I'm sweating like Roger Ebert, which is not a nice thing to say, but that's what I that's one that I say a lot.
2: I mean, I always just find it so funny, but I think Moe's gonna take someone out on a date and he says I'll take you out for a steak the size of a toilet seat. I do. I like <laughs> saying that a lot. Going out for a meal or something.
3: We <laughs> have weird. we have Mount Lushmore. The lake when they have ah, oh, we have that above our mantle in our living room. Oh, nice. There's a lot of Simpsons. My okay. husband and I are huge, huge Simpsons. Okay. Uh, well, Simpsons nerds.
2: You're not going to have any trouble with this quiz, then I think. So we'll do three questions, and then we'll go through the answers in part two. So question one. Which comic actor voices the characters Principal Skinner, Smithers, Ned Flanders, and Mr Burns, among many others? So that's question one. Question two. Who are the only characters in The Simpsons to be portrayed with five fingers rather than four? Question three. Which musician and artist was parodied on The Simpsons in a scene at Moe's Bar in which they ordered a single plum floating in perfume served in a man's hat? Do you need a clue for that one?
1: No, that's not how. Okay, quiz works. okay, but you, you know, you, you said the quizzes are hard before. I want to make it, you know, on a, on a... they are. But if if they're if they're too hard for me, then I'm just going to have to <laughs> defeat. So there we go. Three questions on the Simpsons. Very good, excellent Simpsons quiz there. Answers in part two, folks, and also the rest of M. Sorter's choices. If you would like to hear M's Dream Pub Companion, you can support us on Patreon. So head to moonunderpod.com and click through to the link there. And you also get many other benefits, don't you, Robin? Come to think of it. twenty o
2: benefits, yes. There's the monthly podcast behind the cellar door.
1: And also advance warning of live tickets. Membership of the Moon Underwater Social Club on Facebook. And, well, probably, I don't know, a raffle or a couple of grand. Extended episodes. Extended ad-free episodes, of course. We'll see you back in part two.